Vernomatic Productions. Are you ready? Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music, interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, metalmayhemroc.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. A proud member of the Pantheon podcast team. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts. John the Vernomatic Verno and direct from New Jersey, Metal Walt. Good evening, everybody. As always, new content drops every week. Tonight, we're coming at you a little early. Normally, it's Thursday, but Metal Walt and myself, we're catching our breath after an exhilarating five days in New Jersey as we had a chance to see their first two shows of the Metallica U.S., 72 seasons tour and what a weekend it was let me get them in here metal walt what's going on man how are you hey verno well it's like a day after my uh metallica hangover ended and that's not a drinking hangover it's like my local fm radio station out of cedar knolls new jersey wdha said terry carr yesterday she goes we're all feeling the metallica hangover on a monday morning we're tired. We're excited. Nobody wants to work. So, and that's, uh, you know, life came back to normal today. As we tape this, it's a uh, Tuesday morning. Um, so we're, uh, again, the hangover is subsiding. The legs are coming back after 24 hours on our legs over the weekend. And the sunburn isn't as bad as I thought it would be after Sunday scorcher in the parking lot with overkill. But that is all to come. We're going to cover our experience, a little bit review of the show, but more importantly, the people that we met throughout this weekend, and there was a lot of them, and they were fantastic. Some metal legends, some TV legends, and others just have become legends in the Metal Mayhem ROC family. So let's get going. Metal Walt started the week. Walt, kick this off. So this is um this is how I started the Metallica week. Uh, John and I reached out to Bastardane. Now Bastardane includes Caster Hetfield, the son of James, who's the drummer of the band, and we reached out to them and we said, "Hey, you guys have a very big show coming up, probably the biggest show of their career so far at the Gramercy Theater in New York City, in between the two Metallica gigs." Co-headlining with Otto that contains uh, Ty Trujillo and his band. And guess what? They got right back to us. We interviewed them. You can check that out on Metal Mayhem ROC on YouTube. Fun little video interview. But to make that even better, a couple of days before the first MetLife show, they played down in my hometown of Kearney, New Jersey, where I grew up at a bar called Jimmy's Bar Grill, uh, somewhere that I, I haven't been to in, in 20 years. But in any event, the uh, I got a chance to hang with Caster. You know, we talked mainly about his band, but we talked a little bit about what all of this stuff meant to him growing up in this big band and how he's in a funny way, John. It was like he's driving his 10 year old truck around. Wasn't anything mm -hmm. fancy with a U-Haul trailer. And they listen, they didn't even get a chance to go see the uh, the MetLife shows. They had shows booked in this area, Philadelphia, Stroudsburg, Hartford, 
they weren't anything part of this. These guys are their own entity. But what was cool about Caster was, you know, he's looking at me and saying, you know what? Well, glad you came down. Oh, I like your Volbeat uh, T-shirt. Where'd you see them? Now we start the dialogue. And he's telling me all about the shows he saw with his dad, how many times he's been out there to see him. But here's a fun fact. He says James, he kind of launched Caster on his own career. So he goes out, he does his own shows. He says dad shows up whenever he feels like it, maybe a couple times a year. But it's basically a different career. But you know what? It's in the bloodline. I heard it in his singing voice. I heard it in his drumming. He had the smile. At the end of the show, the singer introduced the last show of the wrong incorrectly. And Castro got up there and corrected him and made sure the crowd knew who was in charge. Castro's in charge of that band. He's following his dad's footsteps. So that was a cool way to start it off. That was awesome. So, th- so that was Tuesday night. Uh, let's see. Uh, we took a little break. And then Thursday morning, I'm up here in Rochester, New York. I loaded up the Trailblazer and hit interstate to uh, East Hanover, New Jersey, where Metal Walt lives. And, you know, uh, Walt and his family opened their home again to me to stay, stay at his compound. And our weekend started. So Thursday night, we just sort of hung out, uh, got something to eat and whatnot. But Friday morning, the morning of the first show, Walt and I go to a famous New Jersey uh, diner, get ourselves a rib stick and breakfast, stopped at a uh, local delicatessen, got some sandwiches and a cooler filled with cocktails and waters for the show and made our way to MetLife Stadium. So let's see. This was like around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We get to the parking lot and New York band prong was set to open up the festivities with the parking lot concert now this was this is the first part of the weekend that was totally cool each concert had a parking lot band and so prong opened up on um friday and there was a, like a 40 minute delay they're supposed to go on stage at, at uh three o'clock but we found out later that there was a generator issue well is that what it was yeah, it was a generator wasn't working, but uh, you know what? Uh, adding to the color of that, I mean, John and I made sure we got there extra early. We pulled in the parking lot around 1.30, and we get there, and we're thinking, oh, we'll be one of the first people there. Well, that wasn't the case. There was people there already set up tailgating, but we made sure we got a great spot uh, right next to Section G5 in MetLife's parking lot, and uh, we set up camp, you know? And, uh, you know, here it is, this this – you know, stage within a stage. There's a stage. It's fenced off. It was like a concert within a concert. And, uh, you know, the the cool part is you go in there and who's the first person I see? I lay my eyes on. I'm going over there to get a water at the liquid death water line. And there's the guy that treats my grass. I don't know his first name. I don't know his last <laughs> name. All I know is he comes in with this scooter once every two months, knocks on the door, says, hey, put your dogs inside. I'm here to treat your grass. And he drives on through this thing with this buggy. So I said, oh, this is going to be a good weekend when the grass guy is here. Yeah, that, that was cool. And the dude looked very metal, all bald and tatted up. And, you know, he fit right in. Uh, briefly touching on Prong, uh, they, they played 12 songs, a couple of new tracks. They have a new one coming out. The new, uh, new CD, State of Emergency. What they cover? They covered uh, uh, "Non-Existent" and the new song "Breaking Point," which was the live debut. They they killed it, man. They fucking they they killed it. Killer three piece. And what's the story? Was the bass player filling bass player's second gig? 
I and think the drum, um, I think the drummer. Well, uh, we found out later on that Jason Bittner of Overkill was supposed to play for Prong, but he had a cold and he decided to bow out. I guess he didn't want to get anybody sick, so they got this other kid in. I didn't catch his name, but he was great, man. He was up there thrashing out, standing up, really energetic. And the bass player uh, who we found out uh, has played with Nita Strauss. This was, I think, his first gig with with Tommy Victor. But, you know, listen, this is a power trio. We all know Prong and love Prong. They have some great, great songs, and they are synonymous with the metal DNA of New York City. Right. They yeah. came, they cut their teeth in the late 80s, early 90s. They were a great choice to fill the parking lot day one. My, my, and now, I, you know, I know some prong and that was the first time I saw, him, but my standout track of the, of the, their set was snap your finger, snap your neck. The, the crowd was going nuts. That is their signature song. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not that familiar with prong and that's, that's what was cool about this, that it got me in a chance to see these guys. So, but throughout this half hour little review, we're going to do, we're going to introduce uh, people that we ran across and friends and whatnot. And the first friend that I had a chance to catch up again was Jimmy from the Bronx. Now, uh, Jimmy from the Bronx, he's a loyal Metal Mayhem ROC live radio show listener, as well as a podcast listener. So we made plans and uh, we met up with Jimmy. And you know what? <laughs> Jimmy from the Bronx, was he was having a good time because at this time it's like three in the afternoon and he shared with us that he already started indulging in some, I think, uh, Metallica blackened whiskey and, you know, he had his Giants hat on. And so Jimmy from the Bronx was uh, cool to catch up with. And we'll, we'll share a little bit of information with Jimmy a little later, but just wanted to give shout outs. And Lance, that was a good chance for us to meet some of your vintage friends. Yes. So Vinyl Vince Metallica, who's been anointed as a new... uh He's a, a rookie with training wheels on for Metal Mayhem ROC. You've seen some, uh, he's done some great show reviews. Uh, uh, Vince and I go back to our college fraternity days together uh, 30 years ago, as well as Jerry Optoff, another uh, fraternity brother of mine who's uh, a longtime metal head and guy I've seen shows with. So nice to see those guys and hang out with them a bit. Um, you know what? A another thing worth pointing out was there was a, a big threat of this day being a washout with rain and heavy thunderstorms and everybody overprepared. And you know what? The weather gods were on our side because it held out. And actually Friday was great because a, it never rained. It never got sunny out. And the temperature, I don't think cracked 80 degrees. So no. it, it had that metal feel in the air, brisky, doomy felt like it was the skies were going to explode at any minute. And everybody's like hanging around and it's going to pour under prong, but nothing. It was like a metal day, man. Black clouds and all, but no rain. That that was cool because uh, at one point you ch I you know I've I was constantly nudging uh, Walt. I'm like, check your radar. What's going on with the rain? So he checked. He's like, tell you the truth, Vern. It's like nothing. Maybe something at midnight. So we avoided that. Part of the fun of this show was Walt and I through our uh, communication with the Metallica guys. The publicist had put us on a list for upgrades, you know, just snake pit upgrades. Now through this package, they have like the moth, the flame package, the, the one package, the snake pit. There's like four or five different buy-in exclusive packages you could get. So we bought our own tickets to the show just to get in, but they were able to, you know, upgrade us. 
what we didn't know was the extent of the upgrade. So just like anything else, you never really have it until you have it in your hands. And so I did that nervous walk up to the will call office and, you know, the the lady, I give her my ID and, you know, Walt and I are sitting there crossing our fingers and she's flipping her fingers through this big box and reaches in and pulls out an envelope. And this envelope had three wristbands and three laminates that got us into the show, into the snake pit. But, you know, unknown to us, that got us into the Metallica Friends and Family Lounge. This is when things got real. Well, what was your feeling when we found that out? Well, it was on A, it was on a little tiny black and white, you know, probably scissored off little two by three <laughs> piece of paper. And had John not looked at it closely, he would have probably thrown it out. We would have missed it. And even when we got into the stadium, we said, where is this? And one security guy says, well, go to the right. The other guy says, go around the bend and then knock on the door. And there's a lady there and we're showing our <laughs> laminates and our wristbands. And we go in there and it's like, wow, this is like a, a proper lounge. And this proper lounge is open bar, tons of little snacks to pick on, air conditioning, clean <laughs> bathrooms, charging stations. And maybe the better point is, if this was a football game, you would have been on the 50-yard line on the sideline of the field. So all you had to do is wait for the introduction music to go on, and you went out one door, either the right or the left, and you hooked around, and it was like a red carpet. There was all the security guards clearing the path for us to go right underneath the circle pit, <laughs> the snake pit, and into it. And it was like you felt like you were royalty. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and a uh, big shout out to Justin at Q Prime for um, extending these packages. Um, we we can't thank him enough. So we go into the friends and family, and Walt and I, you know, we walk in there, and you walk in there, and it's like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, we're this not worthy. Like, we're doing the old we're not yeah. worthy thing. So we walk up to this uh, the big bar, and there's these really nice girls that are serving the drinks and they're like, welcome to the friends and family. This is all complimentary. We don't take your money. If you feel you want to tip, you know, you, you know, tip in cash and they get us drinks. And this is when things really got good because all of a sudden right next to Walt, this girl turns around and asks us, how did you guys find yourselves here? What got you here? And this girl, her name's Melissa McLeod, and she's the manager of Metallica's friends and family room. She travels with the band. And this girl was a sweetheart, and she was the MVP of the trip. She um, was sincere. We introduced ourselves. She remembered our names, and um, she was there the whole time. We became friends with her, and big shout out to you, Melissa. I can't say enough. We just felt really welcomed. And that was the common theme around this. We are welcomed wherever we went. Well, share the story what Melissa did for you a little later that was above and beyond. Yeah, I mean, a simple little thing. But uh, I think after uh, after Pantera, my phone was dying and I wanted to make sure I had some charge. And I went in and I said, ah, oh. said, Melissa, do you have a charging station here? And she says, no. She goes, well, what kind of phone do you have? I said, I have an iPhone. She goes, oh, give me a minute. She came back, went into her purse, came back with her personal charger opened up a cabinet, stuck it in here and said, here's your phone. It's charging here. Don't worry. You know, the few times we were thirsty, she cut the line, brought us back a couple of waters, uh, you know, just just like felt like I'd known her for 30 years. 
you know, and yeah. that's how the people were there. And then also the other people, too, John, it was I remember sitting at at the bar grabbing a beer and I'm talking to the girl. I don't remember that it was a husband wife, but her story was she's from Long Island. She knew a former New York Islander hockey player, Yanni Ninema who played with them, who happened to be from Finland, who knew Metallica. And somehow the connection went back through the Islanders, through Yanni Ninema, through Finland. Now her and her husband are part of this friends and family thing. And the second day when we went there, they're in the same spot at the bar. I'm at the same spot of the bar. And it's like, hey, Yanni Ninema, New York Islanders, tattoo lady arm cover. And she's like, yeah, East Hanover, Metal Mayhem ROC podcast guy getting a beer in the same spot guy. It was that kind <laughs> yeah. of vibe, right? Yeah, yeah, that was good shit. And uh, just to keep things um, consistent, we had three all-access passes just because we weren't sure if, uh, you know, uh, we were going to have more people coming with us. So day one, I did give the extra all-access to Jimmy from the Bronx for, you know, being a loyal listener. And and funny thing was, now Jimmy, you know, he didn't stop the cocktailing. So he was feeling no pain. He was having a good time. And it wasn't until after Pantera that I finally got in touch with him and said, dude, are you going to the friends and family lounge? And that Jimmy from the Bronx accent, uh, he's like, no, nah, I didn't know anything about it. What are you talking about? And so we got him in there and he had a couple of drinks and he loved it. So, uh, well, on to the show. Yeah, I think this is uh, what all of our listeners have been waiting to hear. It's and I will describe it as thus. Right. So we went out for Wolfgang Van Halen or, or Mammoth uh, W, you know, VH, let's call it. Right. And all I can describe this as, again, you walk through the red carpet, you go under this, what appears to look like a, a train overpass. And all of a sudden you're inside the snake pit. I wouldn't, I, I it, you know, Taylor Swift, Cher, I don't care who would have been playing in there. You wanted to stand in that pit because you just looked out and all you saw was the vantage point from what the artist would see if they were in the, the center of the stage. You look around, you see every little nook and cranny of the stadium from the floor to the lower tier to the upper tier to the lights. And then you have the five or six towers that Metallica put up. It's just there was nothing like I've ever witnessed or experienced in a concert being in this particular spot. And as the show started, you know, the 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 drum kits are in all over the different parts of the stage. They start them at one spot and then they move it to the other. And the guys are choreographing. They're moving all over the place. So truthfully is it's not like a traditional concert where you're focused stage center and you're looking at the guitar player on the left and the bassist on the right and the drummer in the back. Your head and body are turning with the way the bands are moving. And there's certain moments where they look far away and other moments where they're like five feet away from you. So it was hard not to get a viewpoint of appreciating the artist. And, and as obviously, you know, you know, let's say you get up to to Wolfgang himself and you're within five feet. You can hear him really playing because you're that yeah. close. You're hearing sounds coming live sounds coming out of him singing. This is his voice. This is his fingers not coming through the amps because you're only five feet away. And th the best example I could give give to, for the listeners to visualize it is they were playing on a big donut. Okay, and we the snake pit was the the donut hole, so that's we were inside the donut, and the stage was the donut, and uh, all the bands were walking around the entire donut, and they would have different drum kits on either side, and we like Walt says we were right there. So the musicians was, were the sprinkles on the donut, by the way. 
Yeah. So now, you know, now everyone has to go get a donut to <laughs> pacify the craving. But so it was sick. And so Wolfgang comes out. Um, uh, he played seven songs, three of them from the new one. And the new album happened to drop that day. And I had my first celebrity run in. I had a chance to get a picture with his mom, Valerie Bertinelli. And this was fun because I was sitting there just watching Wolfie play, you know, 10, 15 feet away. And he had thrown a pick into the air. It goes into, into the air and it lands like right next to me. It bounces on the ground and some like 15 year old, little young, all energetic metalhead scampers on the ground, picks it up. And I, I caught eye contact with Valerie Bertinelli. She was right next to me. And I made a joke that eh, maybe 20 years ago, I could have done that. And we both shared a laugh. And then I texted Walt. I said, listen, I'm standing next to Val. Come on over and let's get a quick picture. So there's going to be that picture as well as uh, scores and scores of pictures on our website, metalmayhemroc.com. We're putting together a blog. You can see all these pictures. So uh, WVH, they were sick. You know, um, Van Halen's my favorite band. Never really been on the Wolfie bandwagon. Respect them. But, you know, I enjoyed the set. Well, what would you think of Wolf? I liked it. He had, his band was tight. They played well. Um, again, hard not to like these guys. The singing is good. His guitar playing is great. Again, he assembled a great uh, cast of musicians. It's, uh, you know, listen, Check the music out for yourself. It's it's radio friendly, hard rock and metal. It's very what is on the radio now. And it's uh, it was great, great selection to open the show. What other uh, people did we run into? Um, you came around first. I had the veil. Then you come around with uh, Chuck Billy of Testament. Yeah, well, I think it was that it was when <laughs> when Pantera came on, which was when it really filled in. Right. Because I think as much as everybody was you know, there to see the 72 seasons tour. This was a big, bold, ballsy move bringing Pantera on there because, hey, unless you had gone to see another show somewhere else in another town or you were lucky enough to maybe check them out in Europe, this was like this was like a big thing, you know, and um, it really filled in. And, and yeah, at one point I turned around and there's uh, Chuck Billy from Testament and uh Boy, oh boy, John, he's a big dude. He's got to be 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's just not only he's tall, he's thick. He's got a nice, he's got a big belly. He's just <laughs> commanding looking. He is like, you know, he's like the Indian chief He uh, from whatever tribe he's from. But, you know, I went up to him and said, hi, Chuck. Here, Metal Lance Franco, Metal May MRC. Love to get you on our show. And can I have a photo? And he just nodded and smiled and clicked away. And that was the end of my uh, five minutes of fame with Chuck Billy. But... Uh, very, very cool. Uh, yeah. Um, see, and again, this was a two-day event. It's no repeat weekend where at first they were just selling packages where you, you went to both shows. So we ended up seeing Chuck all weekend. Um, who else did we meet Thursday? Uh, well, uh, you you didn't night? meet her, but one of our uh, our press, great press contact friends from Earsplit Compound PR, Liz, Sia Varela yeah. Brenner uh, just happened to look over and I said, boy, that's think that looks like Liz, you know, and I turned yeah. around and Liz, she said, metal wall Lance. I said, hi, I gave you big each other a hug and kiss. And uh, yeah, everybody, everybody that was supposed to be there was there. Yeah. Right? Um, I met, I spotted out on uh, Sunday show, Michael Alago. 
Now, Michael, he's the guy that was working with, with John Share Productions back in the uh, early 80s. He was the one that convinced Electra to sign Metallica. He brought them to uh, Electra in 84. And uh, Michael has that wild documentary on, um, on Netflix. It's called Who the Fuck is That Guy? The Fabulous Journey of Michael Lago. I see this guy on the on the uh, in the snake pit on Sunday, and I I'm like, is that Michael Lago? It's sure enough, it is. And like we connected, we exchanged uh, information, so we're gonna get him on the show soon. Um, oh, <laughs> Randy Falk, Randy Falk. It's this. Uh, he's a metal DJ at WSOU down in Jersey. Walt's been listening to that station for years. I spotted this dude first. Because part of the whole the whole weekend, folks, was you never knew if someone was someone. You're like, ah, is that someone famous or is that just some dude that looks like you should be famous or just some rocker? Um, well, we met this guy. As it turns out, he has his own figurine company uh, that's that's called uh, NECA Toys. And um, he he makes rock figurines and whatnot, and he's a metal guy, and he's a DJ. So he was cool. And there's also another guy that we met. Now, this was real funny. On Sunday, I said to, I said to Walt, I'm like, you see that guy over there? And this was like a uh, Native American-looking guy. He had long black hair, and like he was wearing like rock star clothes, and he had like that Fu Manchu uh, facial beard. I'm like... Is he like someone we should know? Is like he in like some band that, you know, we just don't recognize him. And Walt's like, I don't know, but maybe he is. So we go up to him. I say, excuse me, sir. No disrespect. But are you someone we should know? Are you in a band? Are you an artist? He goes, nah, man, I'm just like you. I'm just a fan. And (laughs) we uh, shared a laugh. I'm like, well, dude, you look great. You got great slacks on. Like, he was a skinny guy, but he had like these bell-bottom tight jeans. He was like, like a Bruce Lee. I'll describe him as like Bruce meet Bruce Lee meets metal. Yeah, and we got a picture with him, and we, you know, it's uh, that it was just that's the type of situation it was. It was like, wow. After a while, you're like, oh, who are we gonna see next? At one point, I saw this dude, and I thought it was Frank Bello of Anthrax. Because, you know, why not? New York, the band's not touring. Why wouldn't he be there? So I nudge Walt. I'm like, Frank Bello. So we're looking at him. And then after about a couple minutes, Walt gives me the, no, that's not Frank. No. Yeah, it looked like him, but this dude was acting a little too weird to be. Yeah. Now, this is nighttime. Metallica's playing. He's got his sunglasses on. and So, John, so, what would you think of Pantera? What was your uh, take on Pantera? I've been on the record saying, um, I don't know. I wasn't really on board with this new Pantera reboot. And ah, fuck that, dude. They fucking killed. It was, Zach was all serious. Charlie was insane. Phil owned that crowd. And it was cool to see Rex just walking around on that donut, just, you know, with that cowboy hat on. And uh, I changed my opinion. And it is awesome. It is all good in the hood when it comes to, you know, Phil came out and one of the first things he said was we're doing this for 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 Dime and and Vin. That was the first thing. And that's all he had to say. And you knew the heart was in the right place. He sang his ass off. He looked great. 
despite him running around stage with no shoes on, which was a little ski bots. But, uh, <laughs> you know, listen, John said it perfectly. We've all seen Zach with Black Label Society and Ozzy. Zach, you know, before his drinking days, he would be pounding booze or pounding his chest. But he was a different person today. And I don't know yeah. if it was a respect factor for his late brother, but he was just up there playing and he was not in the spotlight. He was just shredding with his head down. He wasn't looking at the crowd. He didn't want to be up there in the spotlight. And and Charlie the same. You know, he had uh he had Vin's image on his drum head, just pounding away. It was like they had a job to do. And they got up there and they delivered. But it was one hour of fucking awesome, awesome songs. And I'll tell you, in comparison to the opening band on that slot on Sunday, the crowd was <laughs> packed. It was filled. Everybody was standing. Everybody was screaming. Everybody was checking out and doing the the chance for walk. Um, it was the perfect band to open up the show. That's all I'm going to say. It was. I uh, five thumbs up. If you have a chance to see them across America, I know they're playing Darien Lake in Western New York uh, tomorrow night. Tonight they're in Syracuse. Get out there because they're fucking, it was awesome. Uh, they played 11 songs and they really just concentrated on vulgar display, Cowboys from Hell and um, uh, the other one. I, I, it escapes me, the the other album, the, the three songs. But you know what? Uh, it was a Metallica show. As great as Pantera was and as impressive as WVH was starting the inside and prong in the parking lot, Metallica, it is just absolutely the kings of the hill. Well, just There's it's the starting point when <laughs> the the introduction to the introduction started, right? ACDC comes on, right? The The lights are down. It's 845, right? And ACDC's 835. pumping in 830. It's a long way to the top if you want rock and roll, right? That's the song they're playing. I, I can't even describe the aura and the buzz that that got the crowd into getting ready for the show. Did. They could have picked billions of other rock songs, but that was the perfect one to do it. Well, they always do that. That's the song they play before the ecstasy the of, of gold. But it was it, when like they were playing songs before that. But when that started, it was much louder. Yes. And then and then the lights changed in the stadium. And then these they had eight 14 ton audio video towers circulating this donut. And those started lighting up and it was communal. It was everyone was oh my God, I'm getting choked up just talking about it. Everyone knew what was coming. And those and, images on those towers, I was telling John after and I, I took a couple snapshots. They took it to the local level, too. And I'm watching the images in black and white as before they go on. Images of old giant stadium, the old giant stadium. There was pictures of the Monsters of Rock show from June of 88 that I was at the day after I graduated high school. There was pictures of the arenas in the areas that they played at through the year. I found it odd that Nassau Coliseum was on that one because that was Long Island and not Jersey. But you get the point. It wasn't just some canned video that they're going to play on all 24 no. cities. They localized even that three minute video. It reminded me back on the Black Tour when they used to start the show with a little um, 
Did you did you see the Black Tour? Yes, I did. Remember they they started with the the band backstage, right? And then they had uh, B roll footage of each particular town. It reminded me of that where it was. It was specialized. The Metallica does everything. Uh, a one top of the line. So, you know, they had this conceived the Dan Braun and their uh, art people and production guys, you know, two years ago. So they probably had those crews out there getting that stuff, but um, yeah. And then ecstasy of gold. If you've been to a Metallica show, you know uh, that Enrico and uh, Sino music that they start with. And, you know, we're all, because the hook of this tour is no repeat, Weekend, uh, 32 different songs over the course of two nights, over 60 plus songs rehearsed that they're able to go to at any point. So the early talk was, what are they opening with? Is it going to be like, you know, this or that? And because they've only played 10, 10 shows so far, they started the tour this spring over in Europe. So even, even those shows, some of those shows they started with like Orion or, um, a call of Cthulhu. Some they started with new stuff. Some they went classics. So it's like you really didn't know what they're going to open with, and they opened with Creeping Death. But John, tell and- me your feeling. I know the feeling I had. You know, after Ecstasy of Gold ended, there's like maybe a twenty second pause, and then you just you're waiting on the circle to see which band members coming out closest to to us. And on both nights, it happened to be Lars, and you see the kit there, and he walks out and he waves to the crowd. The the euphoria that I felt when he just yeah. when it was dun, 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 it well, was like yeah. it, it was just and then on night two during whiplash, it was the same thing. Well, it always starts with Lars, because the band is Lars in and James. It's a guitar drum band. It's everything, even to this day, when they re- when they write, it starts with drums and guitar. And then, you know, the bass and the other leads fill in. So Lars always sits down and he always starts. It's always the, and so when he's like, they started with Creeping Death. First four songs, Creeping, Harvester of Sorrow, Holier Than Thou, that segued perfectly into King Nothing. And it was just like, here we go. And, uh. You know, they played three songs off 72 seasons. They they debuted Shadows Follow. First time they played it from the new one. Did a couple chestnuts. Uh, my One of my favorites uh, when they broke out with uh, The Day That Never Comes from Magnetic. Battery was insane. Ended the set with Master. Um, yeah. You could go online and see the whole list, but the point is... Uh, uh, they they were just great. It was just um, the 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 words. I, I don't know. I, I'm stumbling my words, but it was just it, it was great. And just to see these guys up close, where we are vantage points, and and take a look at the photos that I took on on our blog, you'll see legitimately how close we were to the band members to the point where you know there there was a point in the in the second show um, where uh, James actually was walking away from his mic after call and he said something like miss you cliff love you cliff i don't mm-hmm. think you would have heard that if you weren't within 10 feet of standing next to him it was that kind of thing right yeah the facial expressions looking at each other through the night the 
the laughing at each other during the screw ups. And John and I had a couple points where we said, eh, maybe Kirk needs a little more rehearsal, you know, but <laughs> yeah. again, it was all in good humor. They were laughing at each other and, you know, you saw the, the sincerity at the end of the show where, you know, most people are heading for the parking lot, but the bands, you know, walking around throwing cups and cups and cups of picks all over the place. People are scrambling and diving over it to get one. But then they always come out at the end right before they walk out and they say something personal to the crowd. And this one hit home because this is my hometown, how it was the largest metal show ever played at that that venue, 80,000 people per night. And how despite how many, you know, dozens and dozens of shows they played in the arenas of New York and New Jersey through the years, I don't ever remember the band acknowledging that. Yeah, people say they come from San Francisco, but their origins were 20 miles down the road in Old Bridge, New Jersey, when they got signed to their first uh, record contract by the Zezula family. And, you know, just to say that 40 years later and then walk off stage, it's like, man, they're here playing for me. Yeah, yeah, great point. And, you know, and that was part of uh, the people that we met. We had a chance to meet uh, Metal Joe from the old bridge metal militia, Ray Dill. And they were cool dudes. We exchanged digits. Hopefully we're going to get them on as well. But we also spent a fair amount of time with directly with the Zazula family, Ricky Zazula, one of uh, John's three daughters, Marsha and John Zazula had two daughters, Danielle and Ricky. Well, Ricky was there with his, uh, with her cousin, Randy Peterson and extended family, uh, Big Tony, who resembled uh, Paul from that biker show. What was that biker show? Yeah, it's Choppers or something like that. Yeah, yeah. American Choppers, I don't remember, but he looks just like that guy. Yeah, he was great. He was from a Walt's hometown of Kearney, uh, New Jersey, yes. uh, but, you know, lived down in Florida. He had, a, like, a wife beater on. He was all big and diesel. and yeah. Talking about guns in Florida and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> And top it off, he was a fucking Dolphin fan, which right. is, you know, Walt and I are big Miami Dolphin fans. But they were totally cool and um, just uh, can't say enough about it. But that was uh, that was night one. So after the show, there's a big, you know, 80,000 people. So there's a big traffic jam. We just conceded the fact that, all right, we're going to sit here for a couple hours. So we went back to the lounge, hung out with Melissa a little longer. Um exchanged numbers and and then rested we, for 24 hours and did we need that rest my god i remember uh when we finally got back to walt's house went to get out of the car and it's like ugh, my legs really forgot how to work but again day two was we had a day to rest and when we come back we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to find out what happened on the Sunday show. Whole new set of opening bands, overkill in the parking lot, no threat of rain, and it was about eight degrees hotter. Perfect weather to hear overkill and some of that music from Scorched. You're listening to Metal Mayhem ROC with the Vernomatic in Metal Walt as we recap 72 seasons Metallica Joyzy. Metal Mayhem ROC. Now, day two, 
Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. You know, the weather was probably even better, but a lot hotter, right? Because the sun was blaring and it was warmer. And it was a Sunday. It had that NFL Sunday afternoon tailgating atmosphere, didn't it, John? Yeah, it did. And um, a little rowdier, if you will. Overkill. Now, this gets fun because part of um, the, the, the excitement of what we did here, Walt and I, we're like, you know, yin and yang. We, we seem to gravitate to people and they let us do what we want. We, uh, we parked right in front of the stadium and right in front of this parking lot concert area where we could literally sit in the car and watch the show. But so we've got our parking spot again, same spot as the day before. And as soon as we get there, we walk up to the gate where the outdoor parking lot is and we see our friend. uh, Yep. Frank White. Well, you spotted him. So we go. Well, yeah. So we see Frank over there and I wave Frank over because we had him and Alan Tecchio on months ago to promote the uh their jersey metal history book and uh and then all of a sudden i look over the gate and there's bobby blitz drinking a beer so we wave him over we had a fantastic conversation with him a few months ago talking about scorched and listen got to give ourselves a little pat on the back when that pat on the back is due but he came right over said hi to us and then when the swarm of fans came after uh they saw us by the gate he kind of split 
But, yeah, uh, but he, you know, we got a picture with him, but he was cool. He's like, hey, you motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, he was legit. He was, he was legit. Um, So that started that. Overkill killed it. Killed it. And that was a crowded lot. show. Prong was crowded, but Overkill was really fucking crowded. Yeah. And it was cool because like Bobby even said one a few times when he dressed the crowd, he goes, um, thank you for growing old with me. And, you know, you know, the dream isn't over, you know, his dream. And he's right from Jersey. As his, uh, he said, his mother said, just whatever you do, do it with people that that you like to do things with. Yeah, do what you love lines. with the people you love. Right. Something like that. And, and, and he always brings his self-deprecating humor in that. He says, you know, he's just happy that he's not the only old ugly motherfucker that's here for this journey, that there's a lot of Jersey <laughs> ugly motherfuckers that are old with him. Yeah, that was funny because he said to the crowd, goes, look at all these fucking ugly mugs out here. And um, so our extra ticket for the day went to Frank White, the uh, photographer. And now at this point, we're just buddies and we hung out all day and uh, we got to give another plug and it'll be on the show notes for this. If you're from the New Jersey area or anywhere, this book that, they have put together it's volume one volume two is uh looking to be out in about a year year and a half but it's just filled with all these bands from jersey national acts local acts never seen before photos here it is jersey metal a history of the garden state's heavy metal scene volume one frank white alan tecchio and thanks to frank who gave us some little extra anecdotes about several rather interesting stories about some things that happened at the plasmatic show. And I'll leave it at that. He said, it's in the book. Let's see. Uh, day two, the uh, inside acts really weren't at the top of our list. We actually didn't even see the first band uh, ice nine kills. Right. Well, listen, we went in for five finger death punch and, uh, you know, I, uh, I I wanted to give credit where credit was due because they are a big band and, and they delivered. Listen, it's just not everybody has to like every band out there. I know they're popular and uh, they did a good job. Big band, seven yeah. man band. Um, you know, they have a certain formula with their songs and they stick with it. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But it's still heavy. And uh you know, big shout out to Ivan Moody. The guy's had some sobriety battles and he, you know, proudly announced that he's been clean for three or four years. He handed out some baseball bats to some people around like his sobriety. They're big with the military, um, you yeah, know, yeah. acknowledged his dream. And the kids that as a kid growing up, listening to hard rock and metal, Metallica was his iconic band. So uh, listen, hard not like to, to like the guy and what they delivered, right? Yeah, the, the the passion of the band bleeds through. Right. And w- well said, Well, it, it isn't really our cup of tea, but does it mean that uh, you, you can't enjoy them? And there are a lot of people were enjoying them. So yeah. props to Five Finger Death Punch for uh, getting on that bill. And, and it was bittersweet because uh, Ivan did disclose they were supposed to do the Euro track with Metallica, but they couldn't do it because he had a hernia right. or some kind of a hernia yeah. issue. So. Right. It's good they, um, but Metallica, you know, night two of the Metallica No Repeat Weekend. Oh, geez, they opened with Whiplash, and it was all the sh- all the songs you didn't hear the first time. One, Enter Sandman, um, for whom the bell tolls. Yeah, the, whenever whenever I may roam, uh, the Unforgiven. So 
you know, some of the uh, some of the let's say the the hits from those eras as well, right? Yeah, Moth the Flame, um, Call of Cthulhu. They did the instrumental Call of Cthulhu yep. and a rousing, uh, a rousing Thin Lizzy cover, Whiskey in a Jar, right? Yeah, with, with the with the dropping of the Metallica balls. Oh yeah, John, talk about the Metallica beach balls. Well, they they brought back that old trick from the Death Magnetic tour where they would drop the big beach balls during Seek and Destroy. So night one during Seek and Destroy, they did the beach balls. And we're like, oh, okay, you know. But for night two, like Walt just disclosed, they did the they pivoted and they dropped the balls during Whiskey in the Jar. And it just it, it just fit. It was like beach balls everywhere, people singing. People hugging, you know, girls dancing with girls, guys. There was pits going on because there was a night two. There was a lot of pits. There were pits. There, but there they, were pits. But back to these beach balls. These beach balls, <laughs> they weren't your typical oh, yeah. beach ball. Number one, there's no way you can hold it. And like you need five people to hold it. And if they did, <laughs> you were lucky enough for it to come to you. Normally, beach ball, you punch it as hard as you can. And it goes 10 feet in the air. And it goes backwards. These things are like, what is in here? Cement? Sand? Yeah. Like, these things can hurt you. So, of course, on both shows, there was one guy. It was like around 1230 at night on Sunday. And you see one guy must have got it, deflated it. He was carrying it out. But, like, I'm thinking to myself, dude, you need to put an extra room on your house if you want this thing in your house blown up. Yeah. Yeah. Silly little props, but it gets everyone involved. Um, here's something, John, about the band. They were looser on night two. They were having more fun. James even said it. He said, we hope you're in a good mood because we're in a great mood tonight. And it showed, right? I think there was, um, Doran, uh, uh, you know, Rob and, uh, Kirk's little doodle, their little thing. They told a story about surfing where they surfed off the coast of Long Branch and it got these waves. Um, when they, right before they played the song, uh, from the new album, You May Burn. Is that the song, You May Burn? You Must Burn. Kirk actually noodled a little bit of Deep Purple's burn, and then James looked over and waved to him and said, no, 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 not that burn yeah. song. Yeah, you know, yeah. So they were in that kind of spirit behind it. Um, Lars brought up a little kid. I think he just pulled him up off the audience at one point and sat him on his tom-tom drum. And yeah, just yeah. then the kid got to listen to the whole song while he played, handed him drumsticks putting them back in the crowd for the parents, the stuff they did not do on day one. So yeah, they were, they were definitely having fun. Uh, James acknowledged at one point and said, you know what? Does anybody before moth in a flame? He says, does anybody have a dark secret that they don't want anybody to know about? And then he raised his hand. He says, well, I do. He goes, I have, a, I have a hundred secrets. He goes, and everything sets me off on addiction. And as his philosophy was tell somebody about it, Get yourself help. Don't keep it inside. Right. Yeah. So there was his PSA. Very, very yeah. nice gesture. Um. Yeah. Well, well said. Well said. Uh, well, again, another one of my favorite songs, Moth the Flame, uh, debuted another new song from 72 Seasons, Too Far Gone. And they also played Lux Eterna and um, just screaming, just screaming. Uh, the antidotes go on and on. Uh, How about but, one, John? I mean, I know we've all heard uh, one a million times, but the sound effects before for that minute and a half. I mean, every time they, pl- I felt like a fucking helicopter was in the stadium. Yeah. The explosions, the helicopter changing all over your head, the lights blaring. Unbelievable. 
You gotta the th- be there to feel it and witness it. The thing with this stage production is what wasn't there outside of maybe some flames during Moth the Flame and um um uh fuel was there really weren't pyrotechnics because I think the proximity of the crowd to the stage, they really couldn't get that uh explosions like like during one they didn't really have that fire that uh explosion kind of spark stuff that they've had in the past but they uh they, they delivered on it and you know one thing i did uh was telling walt two songs into the set these guys are drenched and at one point walt i didn't even realize this after looking at some of your photos and other people's photos kirk had a little wardrobe change because at the beginning of the show, he had one shirt on with like a um, a secondary shirt, like a flannel of some sort. And then later in the show, he had a different shirt on because obviously he was probably drenched. But right at the end, because they ended with Enter Sandman and James happened to be right in front of me, like arms length away. And the dude is just covered with sweat. And he is, he is and they had a big, big moment after the show where they would circle the crowd and throw out picks like Walt said, and they, they spoke and they were sincere in the fact that, Hey, we don't take this for granted. You're part of the family and they can't be appreciative enough. Absolutely. You know, John, just like you experienced, I experienced it too. I made sure I could get up as close as I possible and listeners take a look at the blog, the photos they're taken from two feet away from the band. And I swear to God, there's a couple photos where I felt like they were looking right at me. And I think they may yeah. have been. They may have been. The, the bottom line here, though, Walt, is, you know, we've been fans of this band for years, and everyone is so quick to piss on them. Say they sold out their corporate. But I challenge any any band to do what they do for their community, for the well-being of the fellow man, the All Within Their Hands Foundation um, they just, and I'm not saying other bands don't do that because a lot of them do, but it's just Metallica is, we are very fortunate to have these guys still around performing at the level that they're doing. I consider this my summer vacation. I think, and I think it was for a lot of people, it was a destination. I mean, as they said on my local radio station, you saw grandparents and sons and daughters and, and, and grandsons. I mean, I am my one of my best friends, George Herman, that introduced me to metal. He didn't go to his show, but his two sons, Andrew and Danny, were there. And we they you remember, John, they came to the car. We yeah, said yeah, hi and took yeah. a photo. I mean, these are, you know, boys that are 20 and 18, 19, and they're following in the traditions of metal. So horns up to the Herman boys. What about the first two cats we met that were working from the crew? The Owen, the carpenter. And Roberto from the Nicaragua, district, Nicaragua with his uh, colors jersey on, yep. like a soccer jersey and the flag. But what he worked for the band, he was in distribution or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a check out his photo. He's up there on the on the block. Yeah. So listen, we can go uh, on and on all day, John. But it was I listen yeah. for me. It far exceeded my expectations, and all of my friends I talked to, they all had that heavy metal Monday Metallica hangover, but in a good way smiles abound and you almost say how do you top it but somehow some way they will again they will and i want to give a big shout out to jimmy k from the metal voice canada's metal voice he was following me online and invited me to do an impromptu 
review Sunday Sunday morning. Uh, we were, I was on live with Jimmy Jimmy K of the Metal Voice and Rick Hughes of Sword, who is playing Montreal this weekend, where the seventy two season no repeat weekend blows into Montreal. So tune into the Metal Voice; they'll have reports and just. Again, get up to MetalMayhemROC.com for and check out the blog review with all the photos and you know everything we have to offer. Any final, final parting shots, Walt? Uh, I I think it's it's all been said and done, and this is just uh, if you know, depending on where you are in this part of the country or somewhere globally, do yourselves a favor. Hopefully, you felt it through the passion that we have here. And go out and spend the money and go see this for yourself. You will you will not regret it. I want to thank you for, again, opening your home and all the hard work you do with the Metal Mayhem ROC. It's, uh, well, thank you, too, great- John. And same back at you. It's, uh, it's a partnership and a friendship. And uh, you know what? When you're sitting in the pit looking at each other from two feet away and it smiles <laughs> and you're just like, there's no words but you're experiencing it it together and you don't need to even speak to understand it. Well said. Uh, So everyone we met on the, on the trip. Hello. Thank you. Melissa, Randy, Michael, the Zazulas, everyone. Um, Thanks for following us online and we'll be back real soon. Before we let you go and be on the lookout down the road for extra and additional things to come around this whole Metallica store. We, this is not the end of our show review. We have a lot of good things to come, so stay tuned. All right, for Metal Walt, I'm the Furnomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Metal for Life. Thank you for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our website at MetalMayhemROC.com for information on podcasts, archives, links to all our live radio shows, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. And always remember to keep it heavy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.